I'm really glad you guys are here tonight, and uh, I'm going to do it a little bit different tonight, because really, my hope and prayer is that you wouldn't see me, but that you would see Jesus for who he is, and that you wouldn't hear me, but that you would hear the voice of God and what he wants to say to you, um, because, you know, the reality is this, you're not here by mistake tonight. It's no mistake that it rained buckets of rain, which never happens here in San Angelo. And it's no mistake that the people who are fishing tonight heard our worship. I mean, that's a House of Faith student right down there fishing that I haven't seen since May. You know, and as Larry was saying, our lives can point to a greater reality than the everyday here and now. And I don't know if you're aware of this or maybe you've forgotten it. But there is a reality far greater than our everyday lives, things that we can tangibly see and taste and hear. And it's this cosmic collision between the forces of evil and hell and darkness and the forces of heaven. Because long before you or I were born, there was a God who loved us and who called us and who created us. And he made us in his image. And he didn't, and it's not like God created humans because he was like some sort of psycho creep God and he was lonely and he's like, oh, I think I'll create billions of people. He actually created you and I in his image, which means this. That is the greatest honor of our lives. He didn't create us in the image of a walrus, which I think would be hilarious. Those things are so ugly. They're cute. He didn't create us in the image of a giraffe, although personally I could use a longer neck. But he created us in the image of himself. Which basically means this, that you and I should look like Jesus. And we should sound like Jesus, and we should smell like Jesus. Because can I be real frank? Your sin and my sin smells like crap. And when the world sees you, when your unsaved family and friends see you, and you're playing around with sin, and you're playing games, and you're, you're Mr. and Mrs. Super Christian on Wednesday nights, because, man, that's when our group meets, and, and we huddle up during worship, and, and we're singing the songs, and, and then you out clowning around on Friday nights, your crap stinks. And the same is true of me. The Bible says in Proverbs that like a dog that returns to its own vomit is the fool who repeats his folly. Translation, when you keep playing with sin and returning again and again to that thing, it's like you're returning to a pile of vomit. And vomit smells disgusting. And so as I've been praying and preparing for you guys to come and and just asking the Lord what he has for you tonight. um, Tonight I want to talk to you guys about storms. Storms of life. And we're going to dig into a lot of great things this week. And I'm, I'm excited for you guys. Uh, because, hey, you can't get rid of me this week. And I'm going to see all y'all this weekend at the bonfire. You better be there. But, um, man, we, we pray. And, and I know Larry and Tammy have been praying. And your leaders have been praying and asking God to absolutely wreck shop in your life this week. But you know what God loves doing? He loves transforming lives. He loves meeting you right where you're at and saying, okay, sweetheart you smell like vomit and we got some work to do come here come here and and then he begins to change us and transform us from the inside out god loves to change lives because he loves us 
And we sing the songs all the time, but I think we miss it, right? I mean, those lyrics are powerful. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. That's because that's how much God the Father loves you. And it doesn't matter what wrong you've done or how much you've gotten right, his love for you will never change. But if I'm being really honest tonight, I struggle to let God be God. And chances are you do too. And that especially happens when there's a storm in life. I want to read to you Matthew chapter 8. says this, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Short and sweet, cut to the chase. Disciples in the boat with Jesus, Jesus goes to sleep. You know what that tells me about God? He is A-OK. You know how you and I get stressed out and frazzled? Look, I was stressed out earlier, y'all. Loading that grill, we couldn't get the thing lit. It was raining cats and dogs. I drove all the way to Jack's to get me a coconut tea and realized I didn't have my wallet. My friend didn't have her wallet, and it was a hot mess. And then you middle schoolers from a whole other planet show up and make things all the more crazy. Homegirl was stressed. (laughs) Jesus doesn't get stressed like you and I. He doesn't get overwhelmed. He doesn't have a bad day. You don't bother him. You don't get on his nerves. Your time spent in prayer is not like prepaid cell phone minutes. You have unlimited access to the one true God. But is that how you and I walk with Jesus? Most of the time, no. Right? Because we get tired about praying about the same thing. But here's what happens. Disciples are in a boat. Jesus is asleep taking a nap because he's just the bomb diggity. And a giant storm arose. So much so that it says the waves were filling and swamping the boat. And what do the disciples do? Classic panic button. They go and wake him up. Jesus! Y'all can't die Right? Like ultimate extreme panic button. Now, how many of you, everyone say time out? Okay, that was five of you. Everyone say time out. Thank you. How many of you think the disciples are being a little melodramatic, overdramatic, and need to calm it down? There's, there's three honest people here tonight. The rest of you are lying. How many of you think that the disciples are reacting a little extreme in a situation? Okay. Like, it's just a storm. Calm down, right? Here's what that tells me. The disciples did not fully understand who Jesus was. But before we're, we're super quick to throw shade on the disciples, what do you and I do? Don't we do the same thing? Storms happen, right? Parents get a divorce. Parents are fighting. Dad's in prison. Not enough money in the bank. Have to pay the bills. 
health is declining, someone we love dies, someone we love gets a bad diagnosis, our best friend walks away from us and stabs us in the back, and what do we say? Oh, gee, thanks, God. Should have known you were a fake. What a joke. And if you and I are being really honest and cutting to the chase tonight and just ripping off the masks and tearing down the walls, how many of you would say that's true of you? You've responded that way before when life sucks. Okay? Jesus wakes up. What does he tell the disciples? Why are you so afraid, you of little faith? And then Jesus calms the storm with one word. Peace be still, and the storm is calmed. It says this in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. You know what that's an invitation to? That's an invitation to humility. That's an invitation to you being put in your proper place, and that's this. You and I are not God, and we never will be. But how many times, especially when life is difficult, have we said, I could do a far better job than God's doing right now? Like, God, you're totally dropping the ball. I knew this was a scam. Holy cow, I've got the biggest lawsuit on my hands. You know where God loves to prove himself faithful? When everything sucks. When the storms of life are raging. When things go wrong. When your prayers don't get answered how you thought they should be answered. God loves to show up and to prove to you that he is God. I don't know your story. I don't know what you came here this week with. But I know this. There's part of your story that's jacked up. Can I be super honest with you? Crap, I hate it when I do this. Life is hard right now for me. I've got lots of fires that I am trying to put out. Personally, family, financially, my health. And some days I feel like I'm barely, I'm barely making it. You know what I'm saying? Just barely making it. And you know how many times I've been foolish enough to say, oh, gee willikers, God. Good one. Good one. But you know what? You know who has never let me down? God. You know who's never stopped loving me? God. You know who's never stopped providing for me? God. You know who never stops doing his job? God. And so in desperation when I reach out and I cry out and I say, hello! Hello! (laughs) Hello! Don't you care, God, that I'm struggling? Don't you care that my family is jacked up? Don't you care? That my heart feels broken beyond repair? Don't you care, God, that I'm scared? Don't you care that I'm trying to quit this one particular sin habit and I can't quit it? Don't you care that I feel alone? Don't you care that all of my friends have turned their backs on me and left me? Don't you care? And every single time, Jesus proves himself faithful. He says, oh, baby, I care. Watch me work this out for your good. 
He's faithful. He's God. What do you think it means that in the midst of a raging storm, Jesus can take a nap on a boat? When I used to read that, I thought it was because he didn't care. He was indifferent. He was like some far-off God, distant and detached from my everyday life. But he's beginning to show me something different. Jesus often takes a nap in the middle of the storm, not because he doesn't care or he's unaware of the storm that you are in. Jesus takes a nap in the middle of the storm because he knows the end of the story. He knows that it's going to be okay, that it's going to calm down. He knows that he is greater and stronger and bigger than anything you're facing. But the question is, will you be still and let him be God? Or will you spin your wheels trying to make it right? You and I will never be God. Jesus does all things really well. He's really, really great at what he does. He's big enough. And he's strong enough. But you and I have to choose to surrender and to trust. It's okay to hit the panic button. We've all been there. But Jesus will never stop being God. And he will never stop loving you right where you're at. Jesus loves to prove himself faithful in the midst of life's fiercest battles. In Jesus loves to take a nap in the middle of the storm not because he doesn't care but because he knows it's already worked out in your favor if the one son of God who can speak to the wind and cause it to be still and tell the waves to chill out if he can chill out and take a nap don't you think you and I can rest in that Shouldn't there be some peace or confidence in that? I mean, after all, if anyone's going to freak out, shouldn't it be Jesus? Can you imagine if Jesus was panicking on a boat? But he's asleep. Why is he asleep? Because he knows the end of the story. And he knows the end of your story and my story. The question tonight is, do you trust him? Do you trust him to be God? In your life? Do you trust Him to be boss and Lord of your life? That means if you do, then you're going to do things His way. You're going to choose to do things the way that Jesus wants you to because you trust Him. Do you trust Jesus to see you through your storm? And if you don't, like I have struggled before, then tonight, here's the point. I want you to be still and to let God search your heart and to ask Him, why do I struggle to trust you? Your worship is not worship if it's not in spirit and in truth from the depths of your heart. Worship is not words to sing or arms to wrap around each other. Worship is literally the cry of your heart that says, God, I have to have you and I need you now. 
And, and this is the last thing I want to be doing. I'd rather be yelling at you, but I'm going to declare with everything in me that you are God and I am not. And I am trying to hang on, but if you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. There was a lady. She had bled for like 12, 14 years straight. The Bible says that she spent all of her money going to doctors. She was incredibly sick. She was in pain. But there was a ton of shame on her, man. She was an outcast. And the Bible says that one day Jesus was walking through the town and there was a crowd surrounding him. A crowd. This guy who could do incredible things that nobody else had done before. This supposed son of God. This guy, this son of God who would touch the lepers and the unclean and make them well. This son of God who would make wine out of water at a wedding when they ran out. And it says that this lady, this lady covered in shame and who had been sick for 14 years, she pressed her way through the crowd to grab onto the bottom part of Jesus' robe. That is worship. When you're pushing through the darkness and you're reaching through the difficulties and you're crying out above the lies of the dumb devil, God, I've got to have you. And if you don't show up, if you don't meet me where I'm at, I'm not going to make it. It's what we call desperate faith. The disciples in that boat that night had desperate faith. The lady who was sick had desperate faith. And the Bible says that immediately, as soon as she touched the hem of Jesus, she was healed. What no doctor could do for her in 14 years, what no amount of money cost her could do for her, Jesus did in an instant, and he never touched her. She basically touched the bottom string hanging off of his robe. Because power instantly went out from Jesus. Do you trust Jesus enough to get desperate with your situation? Some of you do. I can see it in your eyes. And some of you don't. The question is, why not? Is it fear? Is it control? You don't want to do things the way the Lord says you don't want to? Well, guess what? I hardly want to do things the Lord's way either. Frankly, it's not fun. But it is not fair for me to expect God to carry me and to bless me and to love me and to cover me when I'm not willing to do what he asks me to do. You've got to find your desperate faith inside of your heart. Mr. Larry can't carry you. Your best friend can't carry you. You know what desperate faith looks like? You're leading this thing. You're going home and you're reading your Bible. You're worshiping. You're crying out from the depths of your heart. Jesus, I've got to have you. And if I don't, I'm not going to make it. God, thank you for tonight. And God, I... I have so often made fun of those disciples 
that were so scared. And yet, Jesus, I, too, have done the same thing. I have believed that you have somehow overlooked me. You've forgotten me. Maybe you're annoyed with me. You're annoyed with my tears or my pain or my problems. That is not who you are. You are a God who loves us, who is full of reckless love for us. And God, I want to have desperate faith like those disciples. I want to be the one that cries out to you in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the storm. Jesus, if you don't help me, I'm not going to make it. I want to have the desperate faith of the lady who had been sick for 14 years, who had the audacity, she had the nerve and the courage to press her way through to just touch the string of your rope. God, I want that kind of faith. Help my unbelief. Forgive me for trying to somehow think that I could ever do a better job than you. Jesus, you alone are God and good and I never will be. And God, I pray that you would search me and know me. That you would cut my heart wide open tonight. And show me what's there that doesn't belong there, God. The pride, the, the bitterness, the anger, the, the, the selfishness. Jesus, I want to look like you and sound like you and smell like you. And if you don't meet us where we're at tonight, it'll never happen. So God, I'm asking for a radical encounter for every single person in this group, Father. That in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the things that are beyond our control, in the midst of our disease and our sin and our selfishness, Jesus, would you... Meet us and mark us for all of eternity. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.